what I've realized talking to so many people is you don't need a big name company right out of college. You have to understand that you can grow other places. Welcome to Brie Books Podcast. Today's episode is all about how to make the most of your undergraduate experience. Here we go. Walking a one-way street, thinking of all the Hey, Brianna here. Welcome back to Brie Books. I'm continuing with our brand new series, the Brie Books Career Crash Course. And today's episode, we're delving into the undergrad experience and really how do you make those last months, weeks, days of college pay off for you and pay dividends once you are on the other side. I'm continuing with our brand new series, the Brie Books Career Crash Course. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Amelia Duffy, who is a junior at the University of Michigan studying information science. So as part of the Career Crash Course series, I'm sharing all of the information needed to help recent grads navigate the confusing yet exciting real world after college. Join me as I go deep on career topics that most students don't, don't actually learn in college, like how to actually land a job. Today we are chatting with Amelia Duffy, who is a research assistant at the University of Michigan School of Information. Amelia reached out to me cold a few weeks ago, just asking for a bit more insight into my work across media and tech. I had a fantastic conversation with Amelia, which you will hear in this episode, where we cover everything from how to make the most of your college courses to finding that elusive first job post-grad and how recent graduates can put themselves in a better position to find roles that they're interested in by not necessarily aiming for the top companies. I think that this episode will be especially useful for anyone who is wondering how can you leverage your interests, your passions, and the intersections of your college career to make a more informed decision about your working life. And with that, I will let Amelia take it away. Take it away, Amelia. I'm a junior at University of Michigan. I'm studying information science and I'm on a path that's called information analysis. It kind of mixes um, data analytics, a little bit of business management, and you also get to work with a little bit about the psychology of business and applying the data that you're analyzing. I'm also minoring in public policy, um and that is just a personal interest which i absolutely love and i've learned so much from that um outside of my academics i previously was the summer managing editor for the michigan daily's audience engagement team um where i was able to oversee a lot of the social media and look at what posts were effective and what weren't and then um now i'm currently on a research team where we're, well, I'm aiding in them helping studying demographics and how we can apply data-driven platforms to specific communities. And right now we're looking at marginalized communities. So, yeah. That's a lot and that's epic. Congratulations. <laughs> so my my first question is, walk me through your, your thought process as you 
um, selected your your major, the kind of courses you want to take, and how you're using those courses to help you make kind of a more informed decision about the career path that you want to take. Yeah, so I actually went into college thinking that I wanted to do straight business management and finance, and I started to realize really as soon as I got to college that that really wasn't for me. I have kind of a more technical and analytical brain, but I'm not fully on the software engineering type where I can just sit down and code for hours. So I was really looking for a career path where I got to use my technical skills, but more in application of business practices rather than like pure back end. So I was lucky enough to find the School of Information pretty early on, and they have a really good way of half your classes are very writing-based and learning about different social media practices or the intro courses or different user experience practices, and the other half are Python coding-based, and I've absolutely loved that, and I just found the School of Public Policy actually in May. I knew it existed, but I never thought that I would be in it, but they had a minor program. Um, and I found that because I've always been interested in politics, especially like with today, you don't really have an option not to pay attention. So I really wanted to learn more about it. And we have a couple of really cool courses that merged my interest in my research as well. Right now, a course that I'm in is called Racial Foundations of Public Policy. And um, I, I just, it's really cool, like looking at everything from a different lens and it's hard narrowing down in a career, like which aspect of my academics I really wanna go into, but I've enjoyed having multiple interests throughout college. I love that that you noticed kind of right away what lit you up inside and what didn't. I think that's something that I struggled with when I was an undergrad and I like fought against it for a while. So I remember going to the career services office the day I learned how much investment bankers make after college. And I was like, I want to be an investment banker. And my career services advisor was like, do you really? And I was like, yes. And she was like, okay. You know, she didn't discourage me, but you know, we did the whole like, rounds like you know how to prep for the interviews and all these things and halfway through I was like I'm gonna stop you because I don't want to do this and, <laughs> and um for me I find that when you stop trying to force something on yourself um what you're supposed to do kind of comes naturally so was that kind of your experience as well yeah I definitely had that really similar experience it's really hard especially um like our school, our business school is called Ross and everyone's been recruiting for so long and they're getting these jobs at the, these big name companies. And it's hard to just be like, I'm gonna take a back seat. I'm not gonna take the path that everyone else is gonna take because I'm not everyone else. I have my own path and it's really hard to not look at other people and be like, I should be doing this because there's nothing you really should be doing minus getting a career. Like I can't not get a job. So um, I think that's definitely been a huge learning curve and emotional curve as well, especially my sister uh, went to Wake Forest and she majored in mathematical business, like as like financy as you can get or as accounting as you can get. And I think it's hard to just like 
really create your own path because it's scary. Because a lot of times if you're actually merging all your interests, very few people have like done your exact path before. So I think that's definitely still a process. Like it's not fully done, but ever growing. I love that. I have I have two things for you. One is um, a podcast recommendation, which I was going to say for the end, but I want to mention it now. It's hosted by a woman named um, Nikayla Matthews Okome. She graduated from University of Michigan from the Ross School. Um, the podcast is called Side Hustle Pro, and it's exactly what it sounds like, right? It's like how you turn your side hustle into your your main job or your main thing. And the part of her story that I think you'll really um, resonate with Amelia is she went to Ross and, you know, she was doing the recruitment circuit. She like got an internship at Google. So she was, you know, trying really hard to turn that into an offer. And she talks about this in detail on her podcast, but she graduated with no offers for like jobs after, you know, finishing Ross, which is a big deal. It's a great accomplishment. She ended up going to uh, lead kind of the marketing team at NPR in DC for a few years um, before she transitioned to, you know, doing her podcast full time. Now she does podcast consulting or I think coaching. Um, and, you know, she has a baby and a husband. And, and it's just interesting because her whole story is the fact that she thought that if she didn't graduate from Ross with a job her life would be over she was like I can't go back home like I can't be you know quote unquote failure especially as you said Amelia when people around you are seem to you know have it all together seem to have what it is that you're working so hard for so I think that that podcast would be uh, a really fun one for you to listen to on it she interviews business owners CEOs entrepreneurs um from around the country and really around the world and digs into their story of how they did just what you said you know they know that, that there wasn't an exact path for them so they carved one themselves it's a great show so um, I highly recommend you listen to that um, and the second point I wanted to make is I think that what you were saying about you know seeing people around you even those close to you succeed what I try to do instead of, you know, letting that make me feel some type of way or, or jealous or less than, I really do use that for fuel and motivation. And I say, okay, objectively, if this person is able to achieve this and we are, you know, all intents and purposes the same, you know, no one's really set above anyone else, then that is a model for me saying that it is possible for me to find what I want as well. Um, because the temptation, at least for me, is always to be like, of course he got it, or of course she got it, because she's smart, and she's this, and she's that, and she gets everything she wants, or he does, whatever. Uh, I I think that the way that you're trying to approach it of understanding that whatever it is you want to do maybe hasn't been done yet, and that's okay, and knowing that there isn't kind of that crystal clear stepping stone the way it would be in banking or um, finance or something, you know, where it's associate, senior associate, like, executive VP, blah, blah, blah. That's very cut and dry. But the path that you're trying to make for yourself, Amelia, is one that is very interdisciplinary. It pulls in your love of sciences and data. It pulls in, you know, how you think about new media and audience engagement. So I just want to just encourage you that what you are looking for does exist. About three of the jobs I've had didn't exist before they came up with the job description and gave it to me. Um, so that's not really a good place to be in because it's like a blank check, you know, it's like, you can't make a mistake because no one's ever done it before. So where are you going to mess up? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, definitely. No, that I'm one, I'm going to listen to that podcast and two, it's so helpful. Also, I remember the first time we talked, one of the most helpful things was you talked about how much you've moved around from company to company. And I think there's like, especially looking at our parents, a lot of people just like found a company and stuck with it. And I think like one of the things I've been trying to avoid is I'm so scared of feeling pigeonholed into one space. And granted, if I find a space that has all my interests and allows me to grow, I'd love to stay there. But sometimes it's a learning process and you have to try things out and see what does and doesn't work. And I think like, it's nice to hear about someone who like has comfortably switched between roles and companies and like is still doing okay. It's like not the end of the world. It very much isn't. And to that point, I want to share two things. One, the best advice I would have around how to switch companies was a device I was given when I joined NBC News. It was once you're on the boat, you can always change decks, you know. So think of it as finding a company, a career that has other business arms that interest you as well. So you could say, oh, okay. Um, for example, Disney, where I used to work. Um, okay, you know, Disney is doing like virtual reality. Interesting. Disney is doing some more e-commerce. Interesting. They're doing podcasts. Uh, and when I was there, I was able to find these, these little pockets of innovation within a larger company where I could just plug in very easily because you already know everyone's email format, right? Like yeah. a stranger, you work there. Uh, and then from there, really just setting up informational interviews. And it doesn't have to be, you know, here's the job I want. The listing just went live. Can you talk to me to get the job? But really understanding, you know, what is the skill set needed to do the job well? And the best time to do that is when you don't need anything, you know? So like once you join a company uh, that perhaps is expanding or growing in ways that are interesting to you. Um, I would recommend just getting to know the people who are doing that work that you find so innovative. You do the virtual coffee, the, you know, in real life, if you can, um, and just listen, right? I mean, the same way that you and I have been having conversations now, it's just about, you know, understanding that there is no clear path. There is no, you know, straight path. And you're not missing something because you're not finding it because it doesn't exist. You know, it's not like everyone knows the secret except for Amelia and Brianna. It's like, <laughs> no, no one knows. We are all flying by the seat of our pants. So um, I just want to share that about, you know, once you're on the ship, you can change decks. And my next question for you is, I want to know what is the consensus around, this might be a hot take, uh, around leaving a job before one year? How do you, what's, what's the vibe around that? Well, I'm not sure about everything. I know that um, I'm pretty sure some jobs may make you sign when you're given your original offer a certain number of years, especially in, I know a lot of my friends either are in consulting or pursuing consulting and like the typical like timeline is three years in consulting and then you get picked up by whatever corporation that, they, that you've been on a project for. I honestly don't really know the consensus because I don't know many people who have left in less than a year, which says a lot. Like, and I know, um, like, it obviously depends on your field because I feel like at Michigan, at least my friends, I'm sure there's a totally different sector of people. It's either pre-med where they're on this track and then they're going to go be doctors and that's a completely different um, career side and different tactics and whatever but 
Then the next one is this group of business kids or even the computer science kids where they take this job and they're there for their foreseeable future. I'm, I honestly don't know is the answer to your question, but yeah, I just think people have never been told that it's okay to keep looking, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. Even when you have a job, never stop looking, right? Um, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that once you kind of enter the workforce, or at least once I entered the workforce, I noticed a lot of people um, maybe switch around their company every 18 months, 24 months. Uh, there wasn't really, there isn't really, you know, something where it's like, oh, you've you've moved companies every one year. What's wrong with you? But there is value in sitting down somewhere, seeing a project through, you know, seeing a few cycles or a few iterations of uh, projects and work just so you can really get a full 360 view of it. And then if you don't like it, you can always leave. If you find something better, you can always leave. But um, when you mentioned earlier about like our parents working one job their whole lives, my um, my step uncle worked at GE or no, not GE, GM from like straight up like 1968 until he retired. Yeah. And I remember when I, when I went to college, he was like, I'm going to find a job. You could stay there for 10 years. And I was like, there are no jobs where anyone stays for 10 years. You know, that's just, it, it's, it's, it simply isn't done. It's not the routine the way it was for our family or our parents, because what they had pensions, right? It's like, get your retirement pension. And I'm like, what pension? You mean this 401k that I'm like shoving money into blindly and <laughs> I don't retire broke? Like, you know, so I think that, you know, the the social, sec- the security net of having one job for the rest of your life or one or two jobs. And also that that was like a symbol of pride, right? Of like, I'm so essential that I, I've been working here my whole life. Um, I think as the nature of work has changed, as the generations have changed and our expectations around work and understanding that quite frankly, you're not supposed to get all of your fulfillment from it. Ideally, what you do for work is something that, you know, brings you passion or joy, or you do very naturally and effortlessly, but it's not really supposed to consume you. You know, it's, we, we shouldn't really have to work to live. Although, unfortunately, it's kind of what we got to do right now. <laughs> uh, and I think that I just want to encourage you that when you do get out there, um, you know, properly into the workforce and everything, just every six months, do like a little mini internal audit, like an assessment, a review, basically. You don't have to wait for your boss to give you a a review. You should always be reviewing yourself, but really think about, okay, who at this company, whose job would I want? And if there's no one whose job you want, then that's something to think about, right? Because it's like, what does success look like here? I remember when I joined Disney, the woman who interviewed me, I won't say her name just because I don't know if she wants to be out there like that, (laughs) but um, she came from Google. She was at Google for 10 years and then she came to Disney. And after the interview, I was like, I want to work for you. Like, this is a great job. It was my job as a social media analyst and a product analyst, one of the best jobs I've, I've had to date. But I remember sitting in her office and I was like, no, you are the magic. Like, I want to be like a sponge and just pick up what you can do. Um, and her job was kind of the one I wanted if I could see myself doing something. I'm like, I don't want to be president of a network, uh, but I do want to be like, you know, vice president of audience development, maybe. Um, and I just I just feel like, and even her, like she'd been working at Google for 10 years, but she graduated from Stanford in 2003. 
you know so like it's day and night and it's not like oh google today it's like google way back when um so what i learned from that and what my point is for you is just to kind of continuously do those audits at different points throughout your career just to see if you if you are still happy if you do still you know find um enjoyment or interest where you are because that will tell you before your boss does that like okay maybe it's time to go or maybe it's time to find something else or look at a different department um so I hope that's helpful yeah I also we were talking I have a one credit career class that's required for my major Mm -hmm. and um there were two things that stuck with me one was you want to go into a career that goes on your strengths rather than just going where it makes money because one, you will enjoy it because it'll come easier to you. And two, you will constantly be trying to catch up if the career you go into does not like ride on your strengths because it'll ride on other people's strengths. So you will constantly be like one step behind if you don't go into a career that it matches your strengths and we took a whole personality soft skills strength test um still trying to figure out what career that matches with completely but uh, yeah and then also the importance of company culture you can love the product you can love your team or like the specific people on your team but there's we learned about all these different cultures like people oriented aggressive oriented and you as a person just might not match with that. And that's been something so important. And I have to start, it's really easy when you're first getting your first job to be like, oh my gosh, I need this job rather than thinking like, do I like this corporation? Would I like this job? Because you're so on the like wrong side in your first job. Like you're not the one in power, quote unquote, when Granted, I I don't know how I feel about that, but um, yeah, like I just think it was a really important way to think of it in a way that I'd never thought of any of those topics before. Wow, I'm I want to take that class. That's really awesome. <laughs> I have a couple more questions, and I want to leave some time just for you to to share the wisdom that that you've gleaned, and, and um, I want to chat a bit more. But what is something that you feel like you wish you knew about career search, job search? mixing your passions with what you want to do for work what's something you wish that you knew a little bit earlier that you would want someone in your shoes to know now I think that I would say what I've realized talking to so many people is you don't need a big name company right out of college like you can grow so much more even in completely different unheard of companies I think that that was something when I like first came to college, I was like, I'm going to work at like the big five tech companies right out of college. And like, just sometimes that's not every single person in the U S at a top college is competing for those same jobs. You have to just take a step back. Maybe you will get one of those, but it's, you have to understand that you can grow other places. And if you still want that, you can go back and try to get it, but you do not need it right out of college. I'm doing like little praise hand emojis. <laughs> like that part. And 
I agree for two reasons. One, because you you may not appreciate it right after right out of college. You know, like there's a reason that people work for ten years to become editor in chief of a magazine. It's because if they did it right out of college, they'd be like, so what happens now? Um, I think that's a great point, and I really do hope people take that to heart. Um, the second thing that you mentioned that there are so many great places to grow that aren't big companies. I would argue that some like objectively a smaller company is a better place to grow because then you're a big fish in a small pond. You know, then you have a chance to really flex and to try new things. The risk is a little bit lower because you're not worried about, you know, this big name, you know, like fang companies like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft. You're not worried about, okay, how do I keep my cachet or how do I, you know, keep my my personal brand going and I have to update my LinkedIn and do all these things. You really get to focus and sit down and like learn a craft at a smaller company because the stakes are just lower. Right. I think that's great, um, great advice that you just gave to not focus on like the big shiny name right after college, because you have to give yourself something to strive for. Right. Like if you hit all your goals immediately, you're like, what was the point? Um, Yeah. You have to like the company as well. Like it is not all just it kind of almost reminds me of sorority recruitment. Like it's it has to be mutual. And I think. I always thought I was like in this position of non-power because there's a million other people who are begging to take your spot. And granted, there still will always be those a million other people waiting to take your spot, but it's just important to remember that you also have to choose the company back and like the company back because you don't want to be miserable and you won't be good at your job if you're miserable. So yeah. Say it louder for the people in the back. You won't be good at your job if you're miserable. And that's like, and and that's, that's that on that. I especially appreciate your kind of your self-awareness around, you know, the reality that your job is just one aspect of your life. You know, it's something that if you're going to, if you have to work for 40 to 60 hours a week, you do want it to be somewhere that you care about. Something that doesn't give you anxiety on Sunday mornings because you're like, I have to work. And the last thing I want to mention about what you just said is you only need one job. That's what I remind myself every day. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I, I can't have four full time jobs. Like I can't be that greedy. I can't physically do it. And, you know, the money would not be worth it because I would be like burnt out and crying on a pile of money, which I don't know about you, but like, if you have a pile of money, you don't want to be burnt out crying. On yeah. It. <laughs> Enjoy it. Do you have like any parting words or anything that, um, that you just want you mish students to, to know or to feel about you, your journey, um, or what you've learned so far? One of the biggest things is all your classes don't have to be geared towards your future career. It is okay to do outside interests. Also, like when I first came to college, I was like, I have to be in all these business clubs, consulting clubs, finance clubs, which I ended up not even wanting to do later on. And I decided to join the Michigan Daily second semester of my freshman year. And that ended up shaping me way more than those would have ever shaped me. So I think it would just be, I would just say it's okay to pursue your interests, even if you can't at that point in time attach what that's going to be in your future career, how that's going to help you, because anything that you do is going to help you somehow, unless it's 
some negative like (laughs) consequential thing but yeah that's a great point I love that I'm gonna write that on a post you know anything you do will help you you know it's like there's this quote that's um when the student is ready the master will will reveal himself and it's like when you are being curious and when you are looking at your interests the master or you know the solution will start to creep up on you so uh, that's a good point. And I would also argue that the courses that I do not have to do with your major are the best. Okay. I, I technically have two books for you. Um, one, you've probably already read or already have, but it really helped me when I was kind of looking at my my data science background. And the other is a book about finances. I know we didn't talk about money, but I feel like that's something I didn't learn enough about in undergrad. So, uh, So the first book is called data science from scratch. Uh, It's O'Reilly, you know, they publish a lot of educational books, but it's the first principles with Python. And I know that, um, and you know, like it's, it's a really fantastic book. And the reason I say that is as someone who is fairly analytical, but you know, much more storytelling based, the examples in here are so relevant. Um, Especially when it comes to understanding how to use data to like create a hypothesis. And you know, how to know what you're looking for. Like, what's the question you want to ask of the data? How do you use Python to get there? Um, So all the examples are very like business-based as if you were working at a tech company or a sales company or anything like that. Uh, Incredibly thorough book um, around people who are kind of like data curious. um, And it really breaks down, you know, how algorithms really work uh, from a data perspective. So fantastic book. I know that this is already, you know, like your world and your wheel. Yeah. You probably already know everything in it, but I just think that the storytelling in this data book Yeah, is, no, definitely really important. Yeah. And the second book is one of my favorites. It's Your Money or Your Life, Nine Steps to Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Achieving Financial Independence by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez. This book is a classic. This is like a cult classic of, you know, like, what are the things you wish you learned when you were younger about money? If you ask any financial expert, they'll probably give you about 10 books. And this is one of the ones that's most relevant for people our age. The main reason I'm recommending it is to you is because it talks about your relationship with money. And I think that the college years are so vital, right? Because, you know, you you have to pay for things, but you don't really have to pay for things, you know, like yeah. you, you, you do a room and board. So yes, we paid for that. But when you graduate, you have rent, which you don't pay at a lump sum at the beginning of the year, you have to pay on a regular basis. So I, I feel like this book really helped me to like get my money mindset in the right place uh, shortly after I graduated. And it set me on a path to be able to think about money from a less emotional place. And as we move into our careers and things like negotiation um, and salary and stock options and, you know, equity, those sorts of conversations come up. I just think it's important to have a healthy mindset around how to use money as a tool uh, to help you accomplish your goals instead of money being like the be all end all. You know, it's really about how how to shift how you think about finances, about yourself, and also like the money lessons that we maybe learned in childhood that weren't the greatest, how to defeat those. So those are my two book recommendations for you. I know they're not exactly career related. They're kind of career, right? Yeah, they are. Okay. They're, they're life books really. Um, but especially that data science from scratch, that one um, really, really, really helped me get a few jobs. Let's just yeah. <laughs> like, actually I was 
on my interview, like pulling examples from those books. Um, but that's that's all I, I had today, Amelia. If you want to, you're more than welcome to share your Instagram or your Twitter with the Brie Books audience, no pressure. Um, but like I said, I just really appreciate your your candor, your ability kind of to, to go deep on what it is that you want. Uh, and I'm grateful to know you because you are very much well on your way to making informed decisions, which <laughs> is all any of us can hope for. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm just happy that you asked me to be on. I want to say thank you to Amelia for guesting on this episode of Brie Books. Congrats to you on getting a head start on your future self, Amelia. And also shout out to all the University of Michigan and University of Michigan Ross School students listening to this episode. Hey, if there are other topics surrounding career, life post-grad, job search that you would like to hear covered on Brie Books, let me know. You can send a note to brie at briebookspod.com or if you would like me, Brianna from Brie Books, to, to speak to your school, to your cohort, to your club, you can always reach out by sending an email to brie at briebookspod.com. You can listen to Brie Books Podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you get your shows, you'll find me. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you in the next one. Bye. Is it a story?